Welcome to Panning on Empty, the weekly pop culture podcast in which two averagely informed people discuss film, television and anything else they got distracted by whilst inspired by a pun. Along the way, we'll try and help you decide what's worth paying attention to and what isn't. Remember to vote for future episodes at punningonempty.com and follow us on Instagram. Anyone for Tenet? <laughs> <laughs> That's how they'd say it. Oh, let me just get on my Tenet whites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I... Mm, um, membership of the Tenet Club. Um, yeah, no, that I can't. I've, I've lost. I've, I can't go any further with that pun. It's a good one, though. Very strong. Tenet is now available for everybody to stream from home. So if you didn't manage to go see it in the cinema um, over the disastrous summer release, you can do it now from the comfort of your own home. It's a clever pun because people only used to be able to play tennis in the old days at tennis clubs, and it was a very uh, it was a very rarefied thing that you had to spend a lot of money on. Whereas in this new media landscape, we were able to watch Tenet for the simple price of £26 for the both of us to watch it in separate houses. <laughs> Actually, I think you'll find that on Sky, it was out for a couple of days and then they dropped it by a pound to be able to say it was on sale. So it went from £13 to £12. Oh, I didn't get I did, I got that on Amazon, so I paid the full <laughs> whack. Uh, I also don't think that that means it was doing very well. This is this is where we are in this stage of capitalism, isn't it? We, capitalism. We can choose to make Jeff Bezos or Rupert Murdoch richer. Oh, I know. Don't talk to you about it. I know. It's really depressing. And that's democracy. Well, the, I mean, we've got no choice because we can't leave the house. Yeah. This episode is quite long because there's a lot to talk about. So we're not going to do our usual talk about what we've been watching this week. But in a few days, we'll have our bumper 2020 episode of uh, what we've enjoyed throughout the year. Yeah, our Hootenanny. <laughs> oh, no, I hate the Hootenanny. <laughs> it's the pod Hootenanny. <laughs> Boogie woogie. I know that some people that's their, some people that's their favourite segment because they learn a lot about what they'd like to to watch next. So I don't want to disappoint them. But just hold out for the, hold out for our New Year episode. Also, I think we should broaden. Yeah, we should just tell them what we've enjoyed over the course of the whole year. And then... oh, we're not. No, that's why we've got categories. Oh, I don't believe in categories. <laughs> I'm going to go free jazz. No. Ho ho ho, Johanna. I'm not going to ho, ho, ho. Why not? That's, that's, a, that's an appropriate Christmas greeting. I don't think I've got a deep enough voice for that. Just say ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Just say ho, ho, ho back in a high voice. Ho, 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 Johanna. Ho, 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 Jamie. There you go. You did do it. It was great. It was really natural. Um, this is exciting, like a little extra Christmas chat. Yeah, it's a Christmas, Christmas present to all our listeners. It was just good timing, wasn't it? Because we just talked about Christopher Nolan and then suddenly Tenet was available, uh, well, for, I mean, like for, for 12 quid. So it wasn't, wasn't easily available. You know, you know. No, and now we've got it forever. We didn't really put his films, we didn't put his films in a ranking, did we? But I, I feel quite confident it's one of his worst. It, I would say it's his worst, 100%. I'm very glad that we 
that we actually recorded the Nolan episode without having seen this because I feel like it justified a lot of the things we were saying. <laughs> and yes. there's so much that I love about his films and I talk about it at length, I think, in the last episode. But I just feel like in this one, sort of the tropes that we were talking about that keep coming up, I mean, in this one, is he basically taking the piss out of us at this stage? Like, having Michael Caine literally being a character called Sir Michael, I feel like he's trolling us. But I, I also felt like having a um, having a character, like the, having a protagonist where the dead wife is a protagonist in the film. Like, you know, you were sort of saying that, like... <sighs> He get, like he has the dead wife as a figure who's like a structural yeah. figure to keep weight and meaning. Yeah. But in this film, for the first time, the dead wife is kind of active and has agency and is a character in the film. And it turns out that shit. <laughs> I didn't like. I did not like her. I felt like okay, fine. He, finally, the dead wife criticism's got through to him. So he's got a woman being a character, fine. So what does he do? Saddles her with a son that she can't co stop going on about. He's just swapped one thing for another. It was just anything, like any motivation she had was related to her son, which I just felt was very, well, it was really, really boring and just stood in for like a lot of plot. Like just loads of times when the protagonist could have like killed someone, or she, or she, or, or they could have done something to stop the world from ending. She'd be like, "Oh, but my son." I what my main takeaway from watching this film was that um, if you if you like pitched me this film, like if you said to me, uh, Christopher Nolan is going to do a film about like causality, he's going to do a big budget thriller like an action thriller about like what happens if you disturb causality in like in a film, but in life in, you know, like, but like if, if you weaponize time travel and causality, the flow of time, like time's arrow, I'd go, Oh my God, I bet that's going to look amazing. I bet there's going to be so many, but then you watch it and you're like, the major payoff is just some people walking backwards at points. We saw the trailer for this before um, Star Wars in the IMAX. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, swear you to secrecy. Yeah. Yeah, and at the time, I don't think I was even aware that a new Christopher Nolan film was on the horizon. And we saw it and, I was just, and it was just a 15 minutes. It wasn't a trailer. It was, it was the opera scene. And so that was all I knew about the film. I didn't read any reviews. I didn't know anything about it. Apart from that, it seemed to not not be as well received as his other films. When mm. I first started watching it last night, I have to say that, you know, there was a number of times in the opera scene where I, I gasped. I just thought it was amazing. And it just fell apart from me after that. And I'm so disappointed because... Yeah, I do feel that there, well, the first, I think a lot of the fights, when some, the first fight you see when they're fighting one-on-one -on -one and the other person is reversed, that is really amazing. And, you know, as we've spoken about before, I love, a, I love a spectacle. I love, I love Christopher Nolan putting on a spectacle and I love, like, tr trying to go for, like, massive storytelling with, 
with a theme that maybe you don't understand. But for this, I just constantly was just going, I don't understand what's going on. And I love time travel. I literally love time travel. Uh, uh, but this just, it, yeah, it just didn't make sense. And sort of since, sort of the stuff I've read since, it seems that he's saying, you know, you shouldn't fight. Like, I make films with people who shouldn't f fight fight them you should just go with it so I feel like maybe I should watch it again and just be like it's his James Bond and you're not meant to understand it all you have to think is that the world is in peril I'd love to see his Bond I'd love to see him make a Bond film that'd be really exciting like I'm like I honestly I thought this film was like such a precise kind of amalgam of his of his flaws as a filmmaker yeah like, yeah um like so, uh, just a really simple thing. Like you know, you know, everyone was like cussed the um, the the most recent raft of Star Wars films. They were like describe one of the protagonists without saying their name or you know a description of them. Like what do they want? Who are they? What do they want? That protagonist of that film in Tenet, who is it? What does he want? Who is he? Where is he from? What does he want? What does he want to do? How has he changed by the end of the film? Like, but that's but that's what I mean about him taking the piss out of us. He's literally taking the piss out of us. He's literally called him protagonist. He can't. That, that's that's the character's name. He can't be bothered. He doesn't care. Uh, that's what's annoyed me about it. I feel like I feel like oh, I'm really invested in Christopher Nolan. Like I love his films, and then now this film's just made me think. Oh, actually, he's a bit of a knob. I'm I'm totally prepared to listen to the argument from a certain angle that he was being clever about like the centre narrative of a film and like the, the flow of causality and the flow of meaning. At the end, the entire film pivots around the idea that that everything that we've seen in the film has been put in motion by the protagonist, so John David Washington's character, in the future. And I think a lot of a lot of what Christopher Nolan will probably feel quite clever about is the idea that he's created a film where the bit that we see is kind of not the most important bit. Like that, that, that when you run time backwards, that actually the thing that incites all of this stuff happens in the future in a bit that none of us can see. Not, and, the, and the protagonist is not aware of, cannot conceive of, because they, they're yet to come to it but they've set they've sent characters into the past, and that's the bit that gives the film any emotional weight. Is this idea that if you buy into like the structure of the film, then um, the two the sort of the two main characters that you've invested most emotional, like as in their relationship will come to mean something outside of the frame of the film. That's really clever, great, love that. But as a film, you know, as a spectator. Well apart, well, apart from that, it makes things make sense. So you go, oh, that's why he knew that you wouldn't wanted a Diet Coke, like, in the first, in when they first meet. And it's like, oh, that's why he keeps popping up all the time, because he's actually part of Tenet and you recruited him. So I think that it works in that it makes things in the film fall into place. The high concept, there was very little visual payoff. There was lots of things exploding backwards. There was lots of, like puffs of brick dust going into a wall for something <laughs> like i'm fucking hell i've seen 
I've seen enough of brick dust going into a wall that lasts me for my, my entire it's life. Inver- it's inverted brick dust, Jamie. It's inverted. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, right, the problem, right, on my my issue with it is the fact that that like yeah, there was all this all this inversion stuff going on and all this time travel stuff, but it all centered around a painting. That was very weird to me. It was like, oh, right, so now... Because then I got a bit excited because I was like, oh, is it going to be a bit of a heist? And then I was like, oh, it's a painting. And then when he gives her the painting on a plate, and I was like, oh, we meant... I don't know. I was just like, this is really rubbish. Can't they have been trying to, like, steal something else or do something else? It just didn't, like... It made no sense to me. And I don't understand why they had to crash a plane when all they had to do was set off the security systems. Like, there was a lot of other things they could do apart from get a plane and crash it into that building. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, like, he he was... Um, I think he took your feedback on board, to be honest, saying that this was, <laughs> you know... That, um, uh, that, uh, that Tom Hardy in Inception was the best role that Tom Hardy had ever been in because he just tried to give Robert Patterson in this film those lines for Robert um, for Tom Hardy in Inception. You know, like, oh, darling, you need to dream a little bigger. <laughs> and that was just, that's, that's just Robert Patterson's character when he's like, you know, oh, we're going to blow up a plane. He's like, I hope it won't be dramatic. He went, this, would, this bit would be a little dramatic. <laughs> like, he's just li- literally gone oh I'm going to write uh, Tom Hardy's character in Inception again for Robert Pattinson for Johanna that's what I'm going to do um, I, I I honestly I got so frustrated with like the vi- just the visual payoff of the concept like say what you want about Inception and we like I think we both were when we discussed it, we were quite open about that. I like, I really like Inception. I really enjoy it. I, feel I like mean, it. that did not come across at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, but like, I, that I, did, don't I mean, like... it was like you hated Inception. <laughs> no, I, I hate, I hate the space it occupies in our culture, which is like, oh my God, he's a genius. And how can anyone yeah. understand? Him? Yeah. But like for that moment when like the city folds over, like when yeah, you first yeah, see yeah, that. No, moment, it's amazing. Like, yeah, you're no, genuinely yeah. like, Whoa, I've never seen that. I've never seen that happen. There, there was no moment to touch that in this film. And, like, it's such a shame. Um, there was cars going backwards on the freeway, Jamie. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like, there was a couple of moments that I kind of enjoyed. Like, I honestly... No, it was, I, no you can't take away. There's ve- there was very good set-piece action scenes. And I think if they'd been in any other film you'd be like that's really good I, d- I don't like they they were they, it was very those were very enjoyable and that's why like you know I, I think it's the worst Christopher Nolan film it's still a lot better than other films like you came out of it having enjoyed the experience and like that's why I think I'd like to watch it again knowing that you're not really meant to understand it and to just more go with it and then like you know and see how I feel about it but then I would be like well what's it making me feel What's it making me think? And I don't think it, it does that. Like when I thought about the fact that like when you watched, when you first watched Memento, that is a film that has a lot of spectacle in it. Like it doesn't have the same kind of high budget things exploding spectacle, but it has a lot of sort of narrative spectacle to it. But it has ultimately at the heart of it, like a, ge- like a genuinely interesting sort of like sat like melancholy take on what it is to like what is to be human like what is to live your life 
in a certain direction, remembering things in a certain direction. And I sort of felt like the pitch of a Christopher Nolan film about like causality and time's arrow is really interesting, but it just did nothing with it because they tried to make us care about like the idea that although to a sort of objective observer, time doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which way we live our lives. But, but actually, it was sort of saying, hey, do you not care about her kid? Do you not care about her son that goes to private school? No, well, but I didn't. And it annoyed me, the fact she was obsessed with her child. But on also, I just have to say that, um, you know how I was like, oh, whenever I watch Batman, I'm like, who's that? And it's Gary Oldman. Well, I never know who he is. That's the same yeah, with Kenneth uh -huh. Branagh. I was like, who's that? <laughs> That's Kenneth Branagh. And I was like, what's he been in, though? I don't, I mean, why do I just, I just, these men just passed me. But I was just like, Gary Oldman, Kenneth Branagh, they just occupy some sort of, like, space of Christopher Nolan casting these people who I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure, I know they've been in a lot, and why are they in this film? <laughs> well, I mean, as we, as we experienced this week, when I, um, I had a, a quite severe case of facial swelling and uh, uh, was on a video call with you and everyone else was like, oh, oh God, Jamie, you look, oh, are you all right? You, you, oh, you look a bit, and you were like, it looks normal. I, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was trying to make you feel better. I was trying well, to say it doesn't look that bad. I don't think, I don't think you were. I think you genuinely were like, I don't know. I mean, flip <laughs> a coin, what does he look like? He's a man, uh... he's a man well yeah maybe well then that you know maybe that explains it but yeah i mean was kenneth Branagh good i don't know i just feel like he's like gary oldman he's a man you know he's a man doing a job i i mean you know. i don't feel any you know i don't yeah do you feel do you think that there's like like when michael Caine sort of turned up. Do you think there was people like cheering in the cinema being like, oh, we're always waiting for Michael Caine to show up in a Nolan film. Do you think people oh. clap and cheer? Like in America, well, you know what, I, they love clapping and cheering in the cinema. Yeah, no, I no, but even they, even the clappers and the cheerers, surely, even the clappers and the cheerers aren't clapping and cheering Michael, Michael Caine getting paid a lot of money to have a steak. Yeah, and also just do so much exposition really quickly of just like, you need to get to this man. You need to do it through his wife. The way to do it through this wife is to is that she sold him a forged painting. I mean that that storyline is insane. It's completely mad. Like, it, and and now he's got hold over her because of it. I mean, it was just like it was it, just crazy. It then turns out that like like so you you're sort of introduced to this dynamic, like this family dynamic, is like um you know this relationship dynamic, like um there's a forged painting she was a she uh, she said it was not a forgery she got it wrong like the whole thing but it then turns out that he lives like half of his life backwards like and has to wear oxygen masks because his lungs can't work backwards and so it's like i don't think he gives a fuck about forgeries mate <laughs> he's, got, he's got other stuff on like literally it was just it was utterly bonkers it was also no, like it was mad it, that, that bit it, that was mad and like i like I say, I love time travel. I've loved it ever since I got the Back to the Future annual when I was when I was young, and it explained to me about like the timeline splitting in Back to the Future two. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I love this. I love. I'll always defend Lost, all the time travel elements of that. 
And, you know, even in the Avengers, I felt like they dealt with time travel and, like, the grandfather paradox, like, better than in this, where it was just like, what yeah. what the fuck is happening when they're coming in and out of these turnstiles? I honestly did not understand. In that, in that scene, when Kenneth Branagh is on both sides... I just I just didn't understand like what was going on and maybe you're not meant to understand it and it's all a loop or whatever but like I say I wanted to I really wanted to love it and I could really buy into it but it just was beyond it for me I think you're meant to so you know like um the, the one moment in the film that I genuinely sort of um I found quite thrilling was that fight sequence where it's like him and the guy you know the at that point the character in the full black suit like with their face covered up and they're having a proper fight and it's like first time around it's a very high stakes fight it's like he needs to beat them up in order to make that bit work and then when you replay it backwards and you realize it's him fighting him yeah yeah but that, that, that was one moment where I went actually that's technically impressive because like you've 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 run that fight forwards and then you're running it backwards and I'm still enjoying it backwards, but I, I've caught up and I know, you know, I, I, I can sort of see through the cracks of it and I understand it. But there is so little of that. I know. Um, well, and that is, you know how last episode I was like, well, the press, the, the concept of the prestige where you've got the turn, you've got the prestige all about the magic trick. And I was saying that's how, Christopher Nolan sees filmmaking that yeah. the the, pre, the the prestige part I see of this film is getting to the middle and him being like it's not enough that I've shown you all this stuff about time travel and the turnstiles and all of these action scenes now we're going to watch the whole movie backwards <laughs> and he's like prestige I like it I like seeing it backwards I I again I feel quite familiar in sort of seeing things in a time travel film where you realise that it was someone else all along. Well, it sort of is like an interstellar. Uh, it's also in The Time Traveller's Wife. It's also in a, a lot, in a lot of, like, crap sci-fi. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just like... That's why I'm like, the fact that it doesn't make sense annoys me. Like, yeah, I don't... I, I wish I could just let it go. And I'm worried that... Last episode, you were like, people like Christopher Nolan because watching his films make them feel cleverer. So I'm worried that, you know, am I pissed off because it's making me feel thick because I don't understand it. But I'm just like, but I'm not thick and I love time travel and I love his films. Why couldn't it have all just held together a bit better? Well, I, I see I have a different position. I think we both are thick and enjoy time travel films and that's fine. That's, that's... <laughs> And you get a lot of joy out of that. Um, the final scene of Tenet was basically a not particularly complicated manoeuvre to, like, some troops to attack a base. It, it, the only thing that made it interesting in any way intellectual vision was that, like, it was happening backwards part of the way in both, you know, in both timelines. It was like this idea of, like, a pincer movement. I just don't think it worked visually. I just, I think as a, like, as a hunter mm, watching yeah. the film, I just do not think that every now and then a character walking backwards and something exploding backwards was exciting. I just don't, I just like. Well, no, I think, well, 
I think it worked on the one-on-one fights. I don't think it worked when you had the blue team and the red team going backwards and forwards. On a large scale like that, it, you just it didn't have an impact. The thing that I think was very, very unclear was fine. You go through a turnstile, you're now like inverted in time. Like, and it means that like oxygen is inverted. So you've got to wear like an oxygen mask. Okay, fine. Then when um, the woman gets shot, it's like, okay, on this side, she'll die in three hours. But if she goes on the other side, like she'll live for some reason. So then you're going to have to live in reverse for a week until you manage to get to Oslo. And if you go through the turnstile in Oslo there, you'll, you won't come back to the future. You'll just you'll just now be in that time but not inverted so you then you won't need your mask anymore and you can just walk around as normal that i didn't get because they're like and then it's just the whole film from that point on but it's like well shouldn't the turnstiles if they're a portal between the to the future and the current time then when you go through the turnstile don't you just go back to the future again now that i didn't get aren't there two of you facing forward in your timeline then Oh, uh, well, uh, but, well, yes, that that's why they're like, you can never see each other. And that's how he has the fight with himself. But then, he, no, at that point, he's reversed when he has the fight with himself. But I mean, no. he he met himself so many times. Yeah, totally. But, no, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, no. So, so that he was reversed when he met himself. Then after he met himself, they managed to go through the turnstiles and then they were facing forward again. <laughs> But like, yeah, it just it like it just doesn't make it just doesn't make sense. What does any of this fucking matter? I don't I don't give a shit about like anyone in this film. That the, the protagonist they've actively not given any sort of backstory. There's no sense that there's like a mum or a sister or a kid or a you know a father or any, anyone who matters in their life. They they literally exist only in the moment. And I'm sure that Christopher Nolan would justify that and say, well, that was very deliberate, actually. I was playing with what a protagonist in the film could be. But it's, but it's then like, so what? Where does any of this matter? Where does any of this saving the world? You know, stories about the fact that causality gives meaning only matter if ultimately there is meaning, if we care about anyone in the film. And I didn't give a shit. Like, the only bit that matters was at the end when fucking sparkly vampire dude implies that the that they were really good friends but that that guy didn't understand it because he was you know time was in a different direction for him yeah no what well, yeah I, I did feel moved by that i mean nowhere close to, nowhere close to tears <laughs> i mean i've just got to watch it again i mean I, maybe I, i'll watch it again and i'll love it but i came away being like well why did i pay 12 pounds for that because i'm never going to watch it again Honestly, like anyone listening, just just watch Arrival. Just watch Arrival. Oh, stop it. No, I think we can start like summarising where I feel like I would. I think everybody should watch it because I think everyone should have an opinion on it. Definitely don't try to understand it. I just think you'll have a much better time if you just go in and enjoy the action sequences for what they are. And if you come out, out feeling a bit pissed off that, a lot of it doesn't make sense, but just don't. I think if you go in with low expectations, 
<laughs> then you'll come out really, really happy. Because it basically, you know, in a Mission Impossible, like, I don't think I actually ever understand in a James Bond film what James Bond is trying to do. I like, I don't understand, I don't understand what James Bond is trying to do. I feel like the Mission Impossible films, I do understand what, you know, I think maybe I pay a bit more attention to Tom Cruise, he's more believable. But I feel like in James Bond, there's a lot of things where, where he's doing stuff and you just know that he needs to get a thing. So I think if you watch Tenet and you know they need to get some bits to stop the world from ending... And along the way, you'll see some people walking backwards, and that's quite fun to watch. I think you'll have a really good time. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think approaching it like a Bond film or a Mission Impossible film is exactly the right way to watch it. Like, you know, like or, or a Bourne film, or like any of the yeah. sort of um, any of the sort of slightly higher end thrillers that you might watch. But I think what what I felt really disappointed about was that. Um, it, it, it was putting so much heavy lifting into the conceptual framework and yet it just it just wasn't fun it just but that's what like, i mean because then i'm just yeah. like if you then just don't try and you know it, it, if it's like you just need to enjoy the spectacle then why are you putting so much work into all the theorizing and inaudible dialogue that's trying to like explain so much stuff to us and there's just so much exposition that we've got to pay attention to if it is actually just about sitting there letting the images like wash over you then like cut out all of this other crap and don't try and make it clever but it's but because can't... it's because he wants to make himself look clever and that, and I've gone from really def like defending him to just being like oh well you know this has sort of pushed me to the other side of thinking that yeah he's being a bit of a dick about it well, Johanna, do you know what it is? What? He needs, he needs to use every pocket in his suit. I oh, know. Well, that's, 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 his metaphor, that's his metaphor for making films. Like, he's he's putting things in every pocket of his suit when he doesn't need to. I know. It's just like it's there. But, I mean, yeah. a, I've, a lot of people are saying that, um, you know, how usually the protagonist in all of his films represent him. And in this one, it's Robert Patterson who represents him. And so it it shows him sort of stepping a bit more to the side because he's not the main character. And it's about him sort of letting other people take centre stage. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how true that is. I thought, that, honestly, I'm more cynical about that. I thought that was making a film in, you know, 2019, 2020 for a 2020, 21 audience. Uh he knew that he had to have a protagonist of colour, but he just couldn't be asked to write them properly because he doesn't really... Stop it, that's not no, true. No, honestly, I, like, I came away from that film just going, hang on, so for the first time in your career, you've made, you know, you, you've, you've given the pro technically the protagonist role as a protagonist of colour, but with no backstory, no writing, and actually the main character is the white person who's you around the side of that. Uh just the scale of some of this stuff. Like it was like, do you remember the do you remember the TV program Soldier Soldier? No, of course I didn't watch that. I mean, I know the number one single that came out of it, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah. like Robson so Robson and Jerome. Robson and Jerome. <laughs> but like, I definitely didn't watch Soldier Soldier. No, Soldier Soldier would uh quite a lot of what happened in Soldier Soldier, and I'm I'm 
forgive me, fans of Soldier Soldier, if I misrepresent it, but I, I remember quite big chunks of Soldier Soldier being dramatizations of like military exercises, like military practice exercises when they're like, okay, we've got to get up this hill. We've all got, we're all using blanks, you know, it's not live ammunition, but and we're going to practice how you get up a hill and take over a town. That was basically the last third of Tenet was just soldier, soldier, military exercises, but some of it was backwards. I'm sorry, that's not, not a fucking, that's not a blockbuster for me. That's not a fucking blockbuster. And also I got really annoyed at the fact, you know why it's called Tenet? Because it's a palindrome. Yeah, which I was just like, well, I mean, I'm annoyed. No, I like that. No, that sort of thing annoyed. I like. I like that if you if it if you can follow through with it, but but you can't, so don't do it. But shall we all watch it again with different expectations? Then we can come back in a week and see what we think. No, I refuse. I'm not. I'm not putting any more time into this story. I think it's. Uh, I think it's bullshit. I think it's. Um, I don't think it's worth putting any more time into because. So you wouldn't want you wouldn't watch it again. Uh, I'm in uh, five years. In five years, I'll probably watch it again in, in the next month. I think. I maybe I will. No, maybe I will. look. I own there's it. A, like there's a few theor- there's a few theories. Like once I've watched it again, I haven't really done any internet like deep dives. But from there's a few things I've seen where people are like, Neil is Max like the son grown up. That's one theory. For God's sake, who cares? Which is, which is hilarious. No, but I mean, you know, I'm, I always like the reading that sort of thing. Another theory is another theory is that Clemence Poesy is the scientist in the future who commits suicide. Um, I'd be quite interested to like watch it again. And then, like, sort of read some internet theories. I think that'd be quite fun. She's a scientist now. But what if what? she went to the future? <laughs> okay. Look, I watched the other night. What's that film where Tom Cruise keeps dying with Emily Blunt in it? Oh, um... Well, the, it was a. What was it originally going to be called? Was it? They could, they they had like two titles, right? Wasn't it, it was like, like "Live, Die, Repeat"? It, well, first of all, it was going to be called "All You Need Is Kill." Yeah, so it wasn't was. Wasn't it? That I was the original it was title. One thing, and then they called it another thing. And I I watched that the other night because um, it popped up as being for it. Is I I loved watching it. I just enjoyed. Oh well, yeah, that's a good film. That's yeah, a good film. but like. But so, but it doesn't pretend to be being particularly portentous about the flow of time. However, it ultimately comes to exactly the same conclusions, which is that um, if two people have a relationship in time and only one of them remembers it, like what? What does that mean? Well, the, well, this is what's good for you is that um, you know the Nolan films just really make you think of films that you prefer. I think we need to draw a conclusion to um, the episode. Well, I feel very vindicated in that I said that uh, the Nolan brothers create films that make idiots feel clever. And I think they're going to get caught out with this film because it's just a film that's just idiotic. That's my, that's my takeaway. <sighs> I'm 
I'm hoping that this is a one-off and that... Do you know what he has next on the slate? Is what? that is that known? I, I don't know. I mean, because now he's got this dispute with Warner Brothers, so he'll probably leave and go to another studio and it will just depend what sort of, like, freedom he has. And, the, I mean, and it is interesting because you think about a lot of directors are very happy to go to streaming services. Like Steven Soderbergh's most recent film is on... I think it's maybe on Netflix or Hulu or something. And he's done a lot of his most recent films. And he's he's just doing very paired back sort of films that he wants to do. Yeah, Whereas like obviously... Stuff. Yeah, yeah, character yeah. stuff. Whereas obviously Nolan is like the reason that he's being like going out on a limb and really pushing cinema is because he wants to make the massive blockbusters. Like he obviously can't do a plane crashing into a building for Netflix. It'll be interesting to see what he does next in, in the current environment and whether he can adapt or whether, you know, he, he's the one holding out for like an older style of, of filmmaking that becomes like less relevant. But I, I, this is what annoys me so much is that like the thing that people love about Christopher Nolan films is not actually the spectacle. Like the spectacle is what gives it a certain sort of tonal register. But like, the, like if you talk, if you talk to someone about a Christopher Nolan film they love, it will be a character moment that they love. Like people love the fucking Joker, the performance of Heath Ledger as the Joker, and like I think he's got caught up in this idea that he makes spectacle and giantness and like it can only work on an IMAX screen. It's like, that's bullshit. Just write some fucking characters that have stakes and that we care about them. And like, yeah, I think we will, I think we are going to see a second phase. Uh, uh, like because this hasn't made the box office and because he's throwing a bit of a tantrum about that and the Warner brothers thing, I, I, I do think we'll see some sort of like shift or like different direction. I think it'd be really interesting to see that. And I, I do hope that he comes back, you know, with films that that are interesting and obviously the ones that he wants to make. But yeah, let's have a bit of um let's have a bit of emotion and character, please. Yeah, I think I think he's like a genius and like in so many ways. I just I'm so bored by the direction he's facing it at the moment as a filmmaker. Yeah. Ultimately, I sort of feel like you felt I'd been a bit harsh on Nolan. Do you know what? I felt it's not that I felt you were harsh because I'm like that's fine to be harsh. I feel like you swayed me a bit more. Whereas last episode, I would have a hundred percent stood behind every film even the ones i felt a bit todgy about which was in stella i would still defend it because i feel like it's got a lot of heart um I, I don't think i defended him as much as i or conveyed like how much i really loved the films but now having seen this my opinion has changed a bit yeah and i i said to you earlier tonight off off camera i was like actually i sort of i I feel like I didn't get across the fact that I, I, I really enjoy so many of his films. I, I think he's an amazing filmmaker. And I think I, I sort of came across very negatively. Uh, 
I don't quite understand why, but like, well, just jealousy. I covered that. But, um, but I do think that like this film was an almost perfect examination of what I'm least interested. Yeah, in. no, this film basically just sums up all everything that's wrong with an Nolan film, and yeah. um, and the redeeming qualities of it. I'm just not that interested in. Like, I don't really want to see his take on a Bond film or Mission Impossible because I like Mission Impossible. And, you know, Mission Impossible 7's coming out. Like, that's not why I go see Nolan. I, I feel like there's always been a promise of, of exploring things that go a bit deeper and, you know, things that you can engage with a bit more. And I'm just really disappointed that it didn't work in this one. If you had to score it, like, for the whole, like, you know, just like, like, give it a number for the whole film, objectively, like, you know, I guess maybe in the context of all of his other films and all of the other films you ever enjoy, I honestly think I would score this film like a six and a half. Yeah, I would give it a seven. Yeah, I'd give it a seven. Well, if we could meet Christopher Nolan, what would we say to him? I'd say, like, you are deserving of love, Christopher. Like, yeah, that's what I'd say. I'd be, I'd say, I'd say you're worthy. You, you know, you're enough. Yeah. You have, you have, you know, you have love. We love you. And don't keep trying to change the past. And don't keep trying to think of how you can improve, like, time loops. You don't need to use every pocket of your jacket. <laughs> That's my advice. That's my advice to the jacket, the jacket pocket. Oh, congrats, guys! You made it. That was a, that was an effort, wasn't it? If anyone did actually make it to the end, well please do send us a message to let us know. Because just to be clear, we're now going to start the whole thing and we're going to go backwards. So you're going to strap in for another <laughs> hour and a bit, but backwards. <laughs> So. And there'll be some hidden messages in there. Yeah, but that's the thing. Actually, in Christopher yeah. Nolan films, there's no sort of like Easter eggs, are there? He doesn't believe in them. <laughs> no, but usually, you know, in that sort of film, usually there are little hidden things, aren't there? But I don't think there really are. How dare you cheapen his art with gaudy flimflam? <laughs> it's not a gimmick. Yeah, it mean it all means it all means something. Well, in that last bit, we talk about what we'd say if we met him. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think we actually would say if we met him? I'd be too uh, shy. I wouldn't be able to say anything. Well, I mean, I think uh, I think we'd go all g <coughs> giggly and flirty because he's a famous person. Whenever you meet <laughs> a famous person in real life, I'd just be like, because <laughs> I'm such a massive fan. Uh, Dunkirk made me cry. That's probably what I'd, <laughs> what I'd say. Um, anyway, please do uh, follow us on Instagram, take part in the poll to vote for upcoming episodes or suggest any future episodes. Um, after our um, best of 2020 episode, we will be doing cruise control. So strap in for some Tom Cruise action. <laughs> it's actually been one of our most voted episodes, so I know everyone's waiting for it. Well, I think they understand that we have a fundamental fundamental difference of opinion where Tom Cruise <laughs> is concerned. I'm not. Oh, I'm not even going to start talking about it now. Save it for the pod. I'll save it for the pods. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.